And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Frame. He is at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, and he serves as J.D. Trimble Professor of Systematic Theology and Philosophy. Uh, Dr. Frame, thank you for joining us today. It's a real honor. Good to be with you, Dan, and with your listeners. You know, in various interviews that we do, sometimes we uh, wander into interesting areas, whether it be economics or education, morality, uh, politics, family, that sort of thing. Um, I'm guessing, however, that sometimes people may think, maybe they're little setbacks thinking, what are these guys doing talking about that subject? I thought this was a Christian station. <laughs> um, and, and it kind of opens the, the larger question of uh, what's appropriate for um, Christians to get involved in and that sort of thing. And it, and it actually ties back to the Lordship of Christ. So I'm wondering if you can help us think through this area, Dr. Frame, and maybe you've seen examples in, in your own experience of students in college and that sort of thing, seminary level, um, struggling with the same sort of issues. Well, uh, Dan, I think many Christians have the same uh, difficulty, but it was resolved for me very uh, simply uh, by a Bible verse, First uh, Corinthians 10, Uh, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And uh, I became convinced that, uh, uh, therefore, uh, God's Word uh, was intended to cover all of my life, not just uh, worship or uh, uh, ethics or uh, evangelism, but uh, everything I was involved in, whether that was philosophy or or culture or uh, politics or... uh, or whatever it is, uh, if you go through the Bible, you find that uh, God is not uh, reluctant to apply His Word to uh, uh, everything that people are involved in, uh, micro-politics, macro-politics, the family, marriage, sexual ethics. Uh, uh, you just look at the Ten Commandments, and they cover uh, uh, they, they, they cover human life and uh, adultery, sexual matters, uh, uh, theft, economic justice, uh, uh, all of those things. And so uh, there really isn't any any area of life uh, that the Bible doesn't apply to because, of course, God created everything, and uh, it's God who put us in this world to uh, serve Him. And some of us serve Him as pastors and teachers and, and so on, but a lot of us uh, serve Him as... Uh, business people and homemakers and soldiers and uh, and uh, people in all different vocations. I've been reading one of your recent books called A History of Western Philosophy and Theology, and I'm a slow reader. I'm not sure I'll ever get through it, but I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, um, just, I have it here, but I didn't look that far yet. Um, do you cover this this area of the Lordship of Christ over all areas in some way, shape, or form in that book? Well, yes. Uh, the first chapter deals with philosophy, uh, uh, what it is. And people sometimes think that philosophy is a very secular discipline, while uh, theology is a very sacred discipline. And so you can separate the two very, very neatly. Uh, I don't think that's possible. I think that a philosophy deals with your 
understanding of uh, worldview, your understanding of what the universe is really like. And the philosopher is somebody who tries to uh, describe his worldview and defend his worldview. And so Christians are in the business of of, uh, defending the worldview of the Bible, where God is the creator and uh, everything else is his creature. And uh, therefore they... uh, uh, necessarily get involved with uh, everything, as I said, the Bible uh, covers everything. So we get uh, we get into philosophy in the book at a very general uh, level. Uh, historically, philosophers have dis- discussed most uh, all areas of life, and uh, uh, for a Christian, uh, uh, what is our philosophy? Well, our philosophy is just about identical with our theology. Uh, because it's focused on what the Bible teaches and how the Bible applies to different things. And then in the book, I continue through uh, many uh, centuries of uh, development of philosophy, different ideas that come come up, and of course these are all uh, very broad. And then in the last chapter, I describe uh, uh, some uh, Christian thinkers that have become prominent in the last hundred years, and the first of these is uh, Abraham Kuyper, uh, K-U-Y-P-E-R, who was a great Dutch thinker, uh, and he uh, he was uh, he was everything. He was a, a theologian, he was a philosopher, he founded a university, he uh, started newspapers, he uh, got involved in the politics of his day, and uh, uh, he... Uh, eventually became Prime Minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905, and he wrote a very important book called uh, Lectures in Calvinism, where he talks about how Calvinism is relevant to the arts and relevant to politics and relevant to uh, all sorts of different things besides theology. So I think we have an opportunity now in the uh, 20th, 21st centuries to uh, uh, build up beyond our traditional theological interests and uh, uh, start to see more clearly what Kuiper saw, uh, how uh, uh, the gospel is uh, relevant to uh, everything that takes place. You know, it's interesting. I am so glad you mentioned Kuiper because before getting on the phone with you, I, I brought up on the internet a Kuiper quote, probably his most famous quote, where he says, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. And yeah. and, and that's a very helpful quote to me personally. I, I th- You know, I'm reminded how that Christ owns everything, and he's over all. Um, what about a young man who, um, you know, is maybe not a young man? But let's let's say any man that or woman that has been trained and they're thoughtful, they're a Christian, they love Christ, and they they have this uh, idea that oh, politics is dirty. Uh, maybe I shouldn't get involved in it. What would you uh, counsel them? Well, Dan, the, the answer to that is that the whole world is dirty because of the <laughs> fall into sin and the, because of the uh, uh, the influence of Satan everywhere we look. And that's true of uh, uh, culture, that's true of the arts, that's true of philosophy, It's uh, but it's also true of theology, you know. If you look and see how people are distorting Scripture in the name of uh, 
theology, then uh, you can see the effects of sin there, too. So God doesn't tell us to uh, just uh, keep our hands away from sin. At times, uh, we do have to... uh, uh, we do have to avoid certain kinds of uh, uh, cultures and certain kinds of uh, developments, but uh, for the most part, God tells Christians to be active and in the sinful world, just as Jesus uh, came down to be uh, born of the Virgin Mary and to live in the sinful world and even even to be killed because of uh, uh, his mission and uh, uh, he was killed because of the forces of uh, of evil and sin in our uh, world. So uh, basically, you know, we're we're told to don the armor of righteousness and and go fight against the principalities and the powers and all the wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, we're talking today about um, Christ being Lord over all. Now, theologians deal with this. They have some language, Dr. Frame, that they, they choose to use. What What is that? Refresh my memory there. Well, uh, Christ is Lord of all. Maybe you're referring to the, the one kingdom, two kingdom distinction. Yes. Uh, the uh, Bible, of course, talks about the kingdom of God and uh, that we should seek the uh, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that we need will be added unto us. But, uh, of course, uh, uh, as I said, Satan is active, and so Satan would like to hijack away uh, the, the authority of God and to set up his own kingdom in the world. And so uh, uh, there really is this conflict uh, that the uh, Scripture talks about when it speaks about the church versus the world, and uh, so uh, that's the battle that we fight. Now, uh, some Christians, I think, make a mistake here. They they see this biblical picture of the battle of the ages between the church and the world, between God and Satan, and they somehow think that this is a really a division between uh, what we do in worship on Sunday morning and what people do in uh, politics or in the concert hall or in the culture on the other days of the week. And that's not the same thing, you know. Uh, Scripture doesn't say that uh, uh, the church is a sacred place and everything else in the world is a is a secular place to be uh, uh, to be directed without the guidance of the word of god uh, rather uh, uh, there's only one kingdom in the final analysis and that's the kingdom of god the kingdom of jesus christ uh, jesus says uh, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth and uh, that's every kind of authority. So Jesus is the one who rules, and Jesus is the one who has gained this great victory over sin and death and Satan by going to the cross and uh, being raised from the dead. And so Jesus is the is the king, the one king. And, of course, Satan would like people to believe that he's the king. Uh, Satan would uh, like to... Uh, uh, blind people to the to the real notion of the battle that we have, and uh, so some people 
some people actually buy Satan's lie, and they, they say, well, there are two kingdoms in this world. There's uh, the kingdom of Jesus, and then there are these other kingdoms that uh, we sort of leave to, uh, uh, to be ruled by Satan, and that's just not biblical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very helpful. I'm thinking today also about um, families, um, sons and daughters. Some folks have uh, younger children in the home, and they're thinking about, maybe even worrying about education. What are we going to do uh, with these uh, children um, as we um, see them trained? And so as they approach education, and uh, that certainly is your field of interest, particularly education and teaching uh, young men and women, um, what kind of... Um, assumptions should they have coming into education so they can make wise decisions and glorify God? Well, Dan, I think that the biblical mandate for education is uh, Deuteronomy 6, where uh, Moses tells the people of Israel that they should be surrounded uh, by the Word of God, that the Word of God should uh, never depart from their mouths, they should wear... They should wear it on their foreheads. They should be uh, surrounded by it day and night. They should put it around their doorposts and and all of this. And then it talks about this is the way we should educate our children, that our children should uh, uh, hear the Word of God. They should hear the promises of God all the time. And so this is uh, really a Word-centered concept of education. It's more than that. Uh, It's not just word-centered, but it's uh, word-saturated. And so God tells us that our children have to be be, uh, uh, so educated in the Word of God that uh, uh, it will uh, come out and direct their minds. It should be second nature when when a child is faced with a temptation or a difficulty. Uh, passages of the Bible should come up into his mind, and he should just naturally choose according to those uh, uh, teachings of the Word of God. Now, uh, this can be done in many ways. The uh, uh, today, at least among Christians, uh, some uh, parents uh, send their children to uh, uh, to Christian schools. Some of them send their children to public schools, and some Christians homeschool their children. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us which one of these is is required in every case, or just what kind of curriculum, or how we should master the material and all of that, but uh, the Bible is very clear that the Word of God should be uh, central. Now, that can be... Uh, uh, I, a lot of people think that's best done at home. Uh, my wife and I uh, homeschooled our uh, two boys until they were uh, oh, about ninth and seventh grade, respectively, and uh, we thought that that uh, worked out pretty well. Uh, then we sent them to a Christian school. Now, that's that's good because you have uh, Christian teachers, and they're uh, uh, aware they've been trained in the arts of uh, education, and uh, uh, they've been trained in the subject matter that they're teaching, and they may be able to do that better than the parents of the children. But the parents need to stay involved. Uh, uh, the parents are the ones, according to Deuteronomy 6 and other passages 
of Scripture. The parents are the ones who are to uh, uh, oversee uh, the education of their children. Now, I, I don't. Some some Christians say, "Well, I'm not a very good educator, and I can't uh, afford to send my child to a private Christian school, so I'm going to have to." Uh, Make use of the public schools. I don't. Co- I don't condemn anybody who's in that position. Although I'd, I'd rather see uh, Christians uh, supporting uh, Christian families so that uh, uh, they can send their children. Uh, the poor Christian families can send their children to uh, private Christian schools. I think usually that works out better because the public schools are. Uh, the courts have made the decision that there cannot be uh, any Christian teaching in the public schools. And uh, uh, for the most part, you, you know, you can't teach anything without some values. And the values that come in are secular values and uh, values that are, uh, for the most part, opposed to the Christian faith. So uh, I, I think that for that reason... Uh, uh, Christians ought to uh, be very wary of the public schools. Now, if, if they have to send their children to public schools, they should be ready when the child comes home uh, every night to uh, uh, to teach them again, to unteach them or reteach them, uh, to make sure that they have the the word of God in their hearts. Uh, so. Uh, that's something that uh, we all need to do, of course, even even any time we delegate some uh, education of a child uh, to a even a Christian school, we need to make sure that they're uh, they're not being carried away in worldly ways of thinking, which uh, uh, often unfortunately uh, Christian schools compromise with. So uh, in all of those ways, I, I think we need to. The, the important thing again is not the is not the pedagogical style, but the important thing is that the, is the values that are taught. Yeah, that's very helpful. As we go to church Sunday, um, we are lifted up and we worship the Lord Jesus and hear His Word preached, partake of the sacraments, and it's just a wonderful thing. Um, I'm sure that you have trained uh, ministers who go on to to pastor a church. Do you have any advice for them how to step carefully around or or go into the area of um, teaching about government um, from the pulpit uh, versus just totally talking about heavenly things? How do you deal with that? Yes, well, there are people who want to make a, a lot of the uh, so-called distinction between the sacred and the secular. And uh, I just don't find that in the Bible uh, myself. I, th- I think, again, in terms of 1 Corinthians 10.31, that God wants us to, uh, uh, whatever we do, do all things to his glory. And uh, if someone is called to uh, work in a business, well, uh, uh, okay, he's not called to preach sermons every Sunday. Uh, he may not be called to uh, uh, to evangelize people on a college campus, but uh, he certainly can, and he certainly must 
bring his Christian values with him when he goes to work. So uh, he would want to make sure that the company he works for uh, makes its decisions not just for profit, but also uh, to maintain the uh, Christian ethics, to maintain the uh, uh, obedience to the scriptures as much as possible. Now, the church ought to be a place where people get help uh, in doing that. It's not just to teach people how to pray, but it's to teach people how to uh, do their daily business, whether they're uh, teaching in school or whether they're uh, homemakers or what the, or, or or business people or whatever they may do, the the church ought to give them hints. Uh, the church ought to help them uh, to see how to make their decisions uh, in a godly way. So in the scriptures, you have Daniel, for example, who's uh, working for government. He's working uh, under uh, various emperors, and uh, uh, he. Uh, is respected by by the other people there, although some uh, some other government people try to trip him up when they find out that he worships the true God. Uh, but uh, he never falters. Uh, uh, he uh, maintains his worship of God without uh, compromise, but he also offers his wisdom to the uh, uh, kings, to the emperors, to the government officials, and uh, uh, that... Uh, uh, wisdom is uh, is uh, is God's wisdom, and uh, that wisdom is helpful to the nations where he where he lives, and uh, that's the way it ought to be. I think that the church ought to ought to uh, uh, help uh, Christians to know how to live the Christian life outside the church. I mean, after all, we're we're not going to spend every day uh, in worship, and we're not going to spend all of our time in the church building. We need to get out from there, and and uh, Christianity has always been an outward-facing religion. Jesus wants us to uh, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, so uh, uh, Christians are going to be pushed out of the four walls of the church, and uh, uh, they'll be called to interact with the uh, unbelievers, people who need to know Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, in those confrontations, uh, uh, we need to uh, be able to be uh, honest and, and holy, and to show the, the, the biblical virtues. Uh, Peter says, uh, "Be ready to answer anyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." And so, we need to be in a place where. People can come and ask us questions about uh, about our faith and where where our faith will be so obvious that uh, uh, people outside the faith will be curious and, and they'll want to know what is it that makes these people behave the way they do and uh, so that's that's I think the the relationship that there ought to be between the church and the uh, world outside the church. Yeah, very good. So uh, God is Lord over every sphere of life, and uh, we are to glorify him no matter what uh, calling we have. In um, the last two minutes remaining, Dr. Frame, 
I'm wondering if you can share with our listeners your interest in music. Yeah, that may take a whole nother interview, but <laughs> just uh, really brief, um, you have a, a keen interest in music. Yes, well, my parents uh, uh, bought me piano lessons when I was a kid, and uh, I, I hated to practice, but I loved music, and uh, so uh, I'm, I'm nowhere near a professional pianist or, or organist. I took organ lessons, and, and I love choir music and various things like that, and uh, I practiced it mostly in the church. I've never gotten involved in uh, uh, secular music. I've never made any money, really, at the at the business. But uh, it's really wonderful to me that uh, God has made something so beautiful, uh, so, made something that uh, is such a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful means of conveying uh, uh, truth, uh, conveying words. Uh, that we love, that uh, just can, uh, carries beauty with it, that reminds us of God's own own beauty, and that uh, uh, has really been a, a great joy uh, to me throughout my life. Well, thanks for that. Um, today we've been talking with Dr. John Frame. He serves as J.D. Trimble Professor of Systematic Theology and Philosophy at the Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. And he's written this giant book, just came out, A History of Western Philosophy and Theology. And Dr. Frame, how might a listener get a hold of this uh, excellent book to begin his own journey of education <laughs> in the in the area of philosophy and theology? Sure. Well, that book is available at uh, Amazon.com and other, uh, uh, other uh, uh, Internet uh, sales places and uh, it's published by uh, Presbyterian and Reform PNR publishers and uh, certainly their website would uh, uh, feature that and uh, uh, I don't know to what extent this book has penetrated the uh, secular uh, bookstores but uh, uh, you can explore that and if they don't have it uh, tell them that they ought to, ought to get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, Dr. Frame, uh, thank you for joining us today. And, dear listener, this uh, broadcast is up on our website as a podcast. Please check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Dr. Frame, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Dan. Good to be with you. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 